Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to welcome our next guest on Be Brave at Work. Dr. Michelle Johnston is a management professor, executive coach, and leadership expert helping leaders achieve results through meaningful connection. Michelle is an award-winning professor studying leadership and business communication, and her research has shown a clear link between a team's effective communication and its positive financial performance. Michelle is a celebrated keynote speaker presenting at conferences and events nationwide. She received her PhD in communication from Louisiana State University, and she was named to the prestigious 100 Coaches Group, which consists of the top executive coaches around the world. Michelle serves as the Gaston Chair of Business at Loyola University, New Orleans, where she teaches in the graduate and undergraduate programs in the College of Business. And her first book is called The Seismic Shift, how to Thrive in This New Era of Connection. So we're really thrilled to have you join us today, Michelle, on Be Brave at Work. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be on Be Brave at Work. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. You're welcome. And I did somewhat of a light overview of your background, but I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about who you are and how you have come to do what you do today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm braving the heat down here in New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it is hot. <laughs> and I'm about to kick off another fall semester. I'm a management professor at Loyola University. I teach in the business school, undergraduate and graduate. Primarily, I teach leadership and strategic communication. What prompted me to write this book, The Seismic Shift in Leadership, was through my work as an executive coach. So I, I typically have a roster of between 15 and 20 executives that I coach. And this was about eight years ago, seven years ago, I started seeing a seismic shift happening. I was brought up where command and control was normal. So leaders you know, around me who were really effective and very well liked were authoritarian. And they were kind of dictators and, you know, do as I say or else. And and I saw that those types of leaders were inadvertently creating cultures of fear. And it was going against what all organizations were wanting to do, which was to be innovative in order to attract more customers, to make more money. Everybody was talking about innovation, but I was finding that this old style of, of control, control, power, power was creating cultures of fear. And so they were getting pushed out of the organization. And that's when I realized I really needed 
needed to write a book and get the word out. And so I conducted interviews with 18 global leaders. And what I found is that control was no longer effective. Power was no longer effective. It really was all about connection. And so many of the leaders, Ed, that were not good connecting with their teams is because they weren't showing up, as you say, they weren't showing up as brave. They were insecure and fearful. So they weren't showing up as their authentic selves because they weren't confident. And that created a, a barrier between them and their teams. And ultimately, that's what was pushing them out of organizations. Well, I love the idea of a seismic shift. I think as a leadership coach and former business leader, I have seen it as well. And as I continue to work with people, things like power and title and authority just kind of fall on deaf ears, right? People just aren't as interested. They want a relationship with you and not a personal relationship, but a professional relationship where we can work really well together. And I'm just interested, Michelle, in your teaching uh, at Loyola, and you mentioned that you work uh, and focus on leadership and strategic communication. You know, are there courses that talk at all about leadership style? You know, when we've talked about bravery in the workplace, we kind of joke that one of the reasons we're not good at it is because in junior high, high school, and college, no one ever taught us about these behaviors that we needed in order to be an effective leader. They taught they taught us on what to do. So they taught us about economics or marketing or sales and how to do it, but they never talk about how to engage people or how to connect with people. So I'm wondering, is that something that you are able to do at your university? I know you may not be able to pick the list of courses that the college provides, but yes. what are your observations and thoughts on that arena? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. As a matter of fact, I was on a podcast yesterday with an optometrist and it's called eye on business e y e really good play on words clever and yeah. and and he ended up becoming a consultant and he no longer operates on eyeballs he decided he wanted to help businesses because in the, all of their schooling they never took one class on leadership never took one class on how to manage people and he realized that that as a consultant in optometry that was their number one downfall it wasn't about optometry it was about managing people so in any case yes so I, I now in my leadership course and my strategic communication course, we spend a lot of time. The first level of connection is connection with yourself. And that's where you do have to spend a lot of time owning your story. What are your significant life events that made you who you are today? And all these years, Ed, in, in doing this exercise with my clients and with my students, I have learned one thing. As humans, we all have had hard times. And we've had challenges that, that really rocked our worlds. And it's the leaders who can own those stories in, of their childhood, of their life. And it could just be a, you know, a really bad boss they had that absolutely traumatized them and they have PTSD. It's how you recover from that, right? How do you get over that significant life event and turn it around to give you more confidence, more resilience, to give you more empathy, to help you better connect with people? So I begin there. I, I have all of my clients and my students figure out what are the life events that really formed them and who they are as humans and how they show up in the world and own them and recognize how they grew from that. And it, it was a part of their journey. It made them who they are today. That's the first. And that takes a lot of work, a lot of time and a lot of self-reflection. Once you can get there and you own your story, then you can go to that next level of connection, which is 
connection with your team. And that's what you're talking about. Personality profiles, communication profiles, Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder. Um, on my first sabbatical, I developed an assessment called the communication preference profile with some of my colleagues, because this is the, the area where you want to have a common language with your team. I just did a keynote um, last week with Capado, this really cool technology company out of California. And the first, it was a three-hour keynote. That first hour, we worked on connection with themselves and they shared their significant life events and how that formed them as leaders. We then went into connection with others and they each took the assessment and they had a common language. Oh, you're a people leader or a people communicator? Oh, I'm high action. I just want to get tasks done. And what does that mean in the workplace and how you can best connect and get along? And then the, the top level, what I found through all these interviews of connection is connection with your organization. How do you align your personal values with the company's strategic vision? And then how do you articulate that to your people? So that's true connection with who you are as a leader and where your organization is going and how you can get your people to follow in those footsteps. So the three levels of connection are, are essential. Well, we believe connection and in a way relationships are super important to be brave at work. And I'll just tell a quick story because it really resonates when you talk about the seismic shift and my first evidence of it as a corporate leader. When I worked at Iron Mountain, we had an executive offsite in beautiful Arizona and we had and this is probably around 2004, 2005. So it was a little while ago. And we had a executive coach come in and we did an exercise. And I think this is based maybe on Patrick Lancioni's five behaviors of a cohesive team. But we each were given a sheet of paper, you know, a flip chart sheet of paper. And we had to draw a lifeline and we had to tell uh, the story of our life. It's ups and downs. You know, what ups did we have, like marriage and birth of children? And what downs do we have, like death of a parent or a car accident, whatever? And then we all had to stand up and for 10 minutes in front of everyone, and there were probably 15 of us, tell our story. And, you know, I will tell you, Michelle, some stories people cried in the audience because they were so compelling. We learned more about each other in that two hours than we probably ever knew in the five to 10 years we had been working together. Uh, it just altered how we interacted as a team, how we thought about each other, how we approached each other. You know, some people had kind of nicer, easy life stories and others had really challenging, troubling stories, and yet they had been successful to get there. So again, I think there is a seismic shift. And I think that uh, this idea of connection and relationships is super important. And one of the reasons, and I'd love your thoughts on this, is that if I need to be brave with you in the workplace, if I need to say something to you that is hard for you to hear or do something that's hard to do in the workplace, it's more effective if I have a relationship with you because you're more likely to pay attention and actively participate, even if you don't want to hear it, than someone you've just met and don't have a relationship with or have worked with for years and don't know anything about. And, you know, I guess I'm curious what your thoughts might be on the impact of connection and relationship on bravery. Oh, gosh, you are so right. I just had a client fly in from California to meet with me. It's a new client 
because we were, you know, we're operating on Zoom. And I said, okay, I really want you to think about, like you said, the significant life events and how that has affected your leadership. And he said, do you mind if I do it in person? I will fly to New Orleans and let's spend the day together so that you can understand where I'm coming from. Because one of the complaints that we had heard in his organization, he was relatively new, a new leader, is that people didn't feel connected to him. They're like, wait a second, I'm not feeling it, right? And so he comes in and we spend the day together and I find, you know, I hear these stories of what it's like to be, you know, from a family of of immigrants and feeling like you're not seen, you're not accepted. Um, There's some racial insensitivities and he really felt like he lived alone and not really speaking the language well. And so when he came to America, he really just kind of cloistered himself in a bunker and just didn't make connections, didn't make relationships. Well, of course, that's going to affect you. Of course, that affects how you look at the world and how you connect or, or how you don't connect with the world. And so once you understood that, you can say, OK, now I get it. No wonder you just kind of hunker down and do your thing. But then you're wondering, wait, why why aren't you feeling connected with me? And so then you develop a plan, right, kind of a, an action plan of how best to do it. And, and one of the most surprising things of connection with organization was from my interview with Warner Thomas. He's the CEO of Auctioner Health System here based in New Orleans. And I said, what do you think the secret to connection with the organization is? He goes, owning your calendar. I said, owning your calendar? I didn't see that coming. He said, Michelle, think about it. How you connect with your entire organization is right in your calendar. And that's on you to figure out who are your key stakeholders that will enable you to be successful How much time should you be meeting with them and when? Is it one-on-one? Is it in groups? Is it teams? Is it weekly? Is it every morning huddle? Is it quarterly? He said, then you have your operating rhythm and then you build the relationships you need. So what you said earlier, Ed, was so correct. How can you even show up brave and have that difficult conversation would take take so much courage to have those difficult conversations. If you have no connection, you didn't build them into your operating rhythm. (laughs) You haven't seen them in a month, even on Zoom, or maybe you saw them and they didn't turn their camera on on a big Zoom meeting, right? You don't have that relationship. And so there's not going to be trust, as Patrick Lencioni says in the five dysfunctions of team, right? And, And trust is everything. And so to build trust, you've got to build connections. So I just interviewed, I've got a podcast called The Seismic Shift. And I interviewed one of the leaders in my book, Juan Martin. He's the global president of Kind Bars. And so I said, Juan, and we had been talking during the pandemic, he was stuck in, in Madrid, Spain, which you would think is not a bad place to be stuck. That's where his whole not a problem. However, his headquarters, Mars, which owns Kind Bars, was in Manhattan, you know. And so he was in this tiny little apartment in Madrid with two tiny little kids without a door to his office and managed quite brilliantly. But you can imagine the challenges of that, right? To be on different time zones with small children in a, an apartment where you can't shut the door. Um, and I said, okay, so now we're post pandemic. You're back in. New York. How are you? How are you connecting as the global president of kind, which he takes it very seriously that as the leader, he needs to demonstrate kindness and make the world a kinder place. I said, what are you doing to connect, Juan? He said he lifted up his espresso cup and he said, Michelle, I'm a European. I love espresso and my people know, and I have one-on-ones with them every week and it's a 30 minute one-on-one, but they know those first at least five minutes, we lift up our coffee mugs and we have coffee together. 
and we talk about your vacation, we talk about your kids, and we don't talk about work until we do that. That's how you build connection. That's how you build a relationship. And then Juan will have to have those difficult conversations, right? But he has built the trust and the connection first. Well, again, I think that, and I hope that everybody listening is shaking their head up and down saying, yes, that makes sense. And that's what we should do. And I think it does apply back to that autocratic model you mentioned about pre-seismic shift and how the boss had to be the person who was in charge, had all the answers, knew everything. And a lot of people still operate that way, unfortunately. And I don't know if it's a lot of people, but certainly a number of people do. And we also reflect that and we think that, right? I can't go into the president to give the president feedback on how he or she should be behaving because they're the president, right? And I don't have the authority and relationship to do that. So I'd love to hear your story. And of course, you apparently are a very powerful executive coach because you had a client fly from California to New Orleans to see you, right? Most people, the client would expect the coach to come to them. So uh, kudos to you for that. Yet, how about you, Michelle? Do you have a story or can you reflect back at a time in your career or life where you did not show bravery and some of the thoughts or reflections that you might have on that today? Oh, absolutely. And I write about it in my book, Ed, that I wasn't brave enough and confident enough in my own skill set and what I brought to the table when I was hired to be a young professor at Loyola. And I looked around the College of Business and, and I just didn't see anybody who looked like me, who acted like me, who, who thought like I did. I was a very unconventional academic. I'd been, I'd been recruited from the consulting world. And so I'd been, I was in my early, not early twenties. It takes a long time to get a PhD. I think I was 28 years old, but I felt so young. Um, but I, I, I knew better. I knew how adults learn. Adults learn by doing. I knew all about experiential education and role plays and, and sticky notes and, and using, you know, video clips. And I knew all of this from being a corporate trainer for a consulting firm, but I was so insecure coming in as a young professor that I just threw all of that out the window and tried to model the professors who were successful in the classroom. And I thought, okay, well, I can't be me. And I wasn't brave enough to be me. And so for years, I showed up trying to be just like these older men who I idolized. I thought they were gods. And I would say, tell me, what do you do? You're amazing. Why? If the class lasts for three hours from six until nine, I lecture until 930 and I don't let anybody leave. You know, if a student arrives late, I lock them out. And I was just in awe of these professors. And it was the authoritarian old style of leadership. But back then, it still was effective. You know, they still were winning awards. And so here, though, as a younger woman coming in, teaching the soft skills of communication and leadership, that didn't work. And I tried so hard, Ed. I tried to be super strict and not to connect. I just lectured on hours and just it backfired because I just wasn't brave enough to be me. And when I finally, and it really did, to, it took a lot of courage to say, you know what, I'm going to be Michelle Johnston. And I had to own my story and figure out what that was. I had to figure out what my superpowers were. And my superpowers were I was really enthusiastic about what I was teaching. I, I knew how to, how to get them to learn through exercises and role plays and not lecturing hour on end. And finally, I gave myself permission to be me. And then and only then did I get faculty member of the year. And I never would have gotten it trying to be somebody else. 
Yeah, look, I think this is an area that impacts many of our listeners. I know it impacted me when I went to work at corporate America. You know, one type of connection is me figuring out how I can imitate or just fit in and be like everyone else, no matter who I am. And then the other type is understanding who I am and then looking for ways to connect in that allows me to honor who I am, right? Because relationships are a two-way street and it's, it's not one way. So, you know, I really appreciate that you shared that story, Michelle. And I can imagine it was very, very difficult to come to that conclusion and start thinking about who am I and how do I want to operate regardless of what everyone else is doing. And of course, times change, people change, environments change, and what was done before doesn't mean we have to continue to do it tomorrow. But I can imagine that that was you know, challenging to do. Thank you, Ed. Yes. So, Michelle, it has been great speaking with you today. And thank you so much for you know the book, The Seismic Shift. And I think that sounds like a fascinating read in respect to understanding how things are evolving as time passes. And if folks want to hear more from you or follow up with you, what's a great way that they can get in contact with you? Yeah, I'd love to hear from our listeners. Please go to my website, Michelle with two L's, kjohnston.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-K-J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N.com. Would love to hear from you all. Thank you so much. I love talking about bravery. It's hard. It's hard. Leadership is hard. Bravery is hard, but it is worth it. It is worth it. Thank you so much for bringing this important topic out into the world. Terrific. Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. Take care. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.